Hello, Channel Automation Podcast listeners. Welcome back to another deep dive into the techniques that convert leads. I'm your host, Casey Rice, and today I am joined by our local 5.9 call center expert, Stephen White. It's just going to be the two of us today, and we're going to be talking about what things that you shouldn't be wasting your time when you're talking about sales, right? When you're talking about like client strategies or meeting with people or even just chatting with them in a call center, text messaging them, what techniques just don't work? And they should be thrown out the window and abandoned and left for dead. <laughs> yeah. 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 That that dramatic about it. That dramatic. We don't pull our punches here at Channel Automation. We go full board. Of course. Always. Yeah. So first of all, how are you doing today, Stephen? How are you feeling? I'm feeling like a million bucks, like one million, which actually with inflation, maybe not so good nowadays. But, you know, back in the day, it was a saying that meant something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to start off, you know, marketing is about strategy and whoever has the best way of getting clients' attentions often what is the sale, right? So what's a common strategy that you see that people use over and over and over again and it just never works? From a marketing standpoint? Yeah, like if you see somebody on the on the phone with somebody and you're like dime a dozen call center person and you see like every single person keeps doing that and it never works. Well, one thing that I, I hear all the time and uh I will say that it, it works like maybe 1% of the time, but when you're calling like 200,000 leads at a, at a time, let's just have like a call center that's just burning through numbers like nothing. Just going right for the kill, I would say, is something I, I hear all the time. And it works only for people that are like low intent people, low intent folks. Not for high intent people. So like, for example, if somebody calls in and they're ready right away and you're like, okay, so what could we do? Like, let's book an appointment right away. Are you saying those are the people that you get? Or are you saying that the people that are like, oh, uh, okay, I guess I'll book an appointment. Uh, then they feel like pigeonholed into it and then they probably end up canceling. Exactly. Yeah. Those are the people that are, it's a worse strategy for those kind of people. If you're going to, like, I remember there's an old rule that was in place, like uh, four yeses or something like that. Like if you say yes three times in a row, the next one will probably be a yes. It's old, it's outdated. It's kind of like a strategy that has worked in the past. I think people have gotten a little smarter in, in ways where they hear the hear the yes and they're not going to just sit there and go, yes, yes, yes. Actually, you know what? Still yes. I still want the yes. Some people will feel kind of bullied into the yes and they just want to say no. They're just ready to say no. They want to say no. They want to just say, I'm not ready. I don't want to do this. Those are the kind of conversations that usually result in a later cancellation or they ignore your future calls or like, you know, I can't even get this person to confirm their appointment. They set an appointment. They kept saying yes. It sounded like they wanted to get it done. And then I can't, they're not picking up the confirmation calls. What happened? Because the value wasn't there. The issue was uh, your team forced them. They bullied them into the yes. And they aren't actually interested. You know, they, they don't know anything about your company. You, they picked up the phone one time. They signed up for something, but they're never going to come out to my house. I'm not going to answer the door. I even had one instance where a person who we called said yes, specifically for the purpose of telling the sales rep at the home that they um, they told us no, but we didn't listen, and uh, that was that was a that was a very hard conversation to have. Like, why do you have me drive out thirty miles just to go out to somebody that just wanted me to physically hear them say no? 
on the phone. Like, they couldn't get it through on the phone to the call center rep, so they had us uh, come out to the home just to say no. In the other place of everybody's time and effort. Yeah, yeah. Imagine being time. that homeowner just so ready to go to, like, oh, man, I can't wait till they get here, and then I'm just going to just, I'm just going to tell them I don't want them here. Can't wait. I don't know what was going through their mind. I don't know why they, they were just like, yeah, I got nothing going on this afternoon. I'll sit around. I'll wait for this person to come up here so I can tell them I'm not interested. I can't wait. I can't wait to tell them I'm not interested. It's like, sorry, I already got plans this Saturday, guys. I'm going to tell somebody they're worse in their time. All right. So you did say something that I thought was really interesting where you're like, they really want to say no on the phone to you. Why would somebody that's submitting a form wanting work done on their home that's not going to go away? It's not like their home's going to magically repair itself. Like, why is it that they want to say no so bad? Is it intimidation or what? Usually it's this uh, psychological effect where someone wants to feel like they are in control of the conversation and being able to say no in that instance gives them that sense of control over the conversation. It's a psychological tactic. I can't remember, but it's essentially it's the, the right to veto. So giving someone the ability to say no is useful for the beginning of any conversation you're having. There's even a book called, um, I think it's called The Power of No or The Road to No. I'll look it up on the side in a moment. But this book provides us with kind of like this tactic of starting with a no in the conversation, which is why some secret tech for the beginning of your call, if ever you're trying to start a conversation, if you say, hey, is this a bad time? Usually it's not. No, it's not a bad time. If you start off with that, they can get the no right out of the way. They're like, no, it's not a bad time. They feel a little more at ease in the conversation post the no usually is a little easier and um, they don't feel like they need to stay on the call. They can hang up at any time. They already gave us a no. They can listen to us a little bit longer, earning you precious seconds uh, throughout your conversation. All right, cool. I was going to I was going to actually ask you, I'm like, what's an example of how to get them to say no where they're going to feel comfortable but it's not going to be negative on the on the company. So yeah, that's a that's a great example. Just starting off asking, is it a bad time? I've also heard uh, callers over the phone say things like, um, "Would this be a problem?" or "You know, is this okay with you?" or "Would it be terrible if we were to have this going on?" But it's actually a really simple question. Like, hey, "Would it be terrible if you know instead of waiting a week for this to happen, maybe we could schedule you earlier next week? We do have somebody that is already available at this day and time." And so, you know, having it done sooner than later, you have you have that quote ahead of time. So that way, if you are comparing prices, you can just kind of get the jump on that. You know, I just found the book. Sorry, I was double checking it. It's a start with no. It's by Jim Camp, the author. So he uh, he does not a sponsor. A good couple examples of not a sponsor. We're just yeah. fans. Uh, just fans. That's right. But you can see that same negotiation tactic reflected in some of the other books that we use when we're, if we're doing like a consultative work with some of our some of our clients for interested in some call center help. Usually it's just working with that no to start the conversations, which lead to more fruitful conversations with homeowners. It's really good for usually this tactic works, I mean, for newer leads, but specifically for older leads that are kind of turning into what could be considered close to a cold call situation. I know new homeowners that just filled out the form. Look, these are the easy ones. You don't have to worry about people that filled out their marketing form and they're interested right away. The folks that we're using these kind of like more advanced tactics on are the ones that aren't going to say yes right away. You know, if you're talking to someone that just filled out a form, going the straight route works. You can say, hey, are you interested in a home improvement project? Like, yeah, I filled out the form. Okay, well, we can come out tomorrow. Yeah, I filled out the form. Give me like, well, let's get someone to come out. I I wanted somebody anyway. Like, who cares about that one? That's not going to, you already paid for that lead. It's coming through. I'm talking about the people that fell off the horse. We haven't talked to them for a month, two months. That same, hey, are you interested in a home improvement project? Uh, That was three months ago. Get away from me. Boom, hang up. You're done. You know, hey, is this a bad time to talk? Uh, why? What's going on? Have you given up on your project? Uh, no, it's just been a couple months. I 
forgot about it, but you know, I haven't given up on it. It's just things have gotten in the way. Well, then let's talk about it now. Life happens, man. And what's we're here about? Tell me what's wrong. What do you hate about your bathroom? And they get into it, right? They start rambling. They give you the info. You know, it could probably help out with that. And then you start getting into the appointment. That's the best route, I would say. For an older lead, you have to go the route of um, not like they're a buyer interested. They're a buyer who's become disinterested. All right. Yeah. I mean, automatically assuming the worst so that way you can make sure that you are on your game the best that you could possibly be. I, I'd say that that's pretty good advice. So... Where we're talking about like having kind of the opposite effect where you're asking them questions where they get to speak negatively about something that needs to be fixed and then we offer the solution for it to be fixed. Or if you're not in the home improvement industry, you know, you're providing a service or you're providing a product that customers already want because they've already told you they want it by filling out the form. And so you could still use the tactics the same way. So what other magic words are there that's going to get you closer to a sale or what some words or phrases you should never say or do at particular times that is going to immediately turn somebody off man a couple of good ones like I, I actually mentioned it just just now when i was talking about my um my example here have you have you given up on the project great for an older lady you're talking to if you can throw that into a conversation conversationally once you have someone's attention and they know what you're talking about, right? You have to have the context in order to make the phrase work. Have you given up? Uh, the loss, now this plays on a psychological tactic of loss aversion. You know, somebody feels that they're going to lose. I haven't given up. I haven't given up on the project. You know, it's just like you mentioned before, life got in the way. It's a way to get someone to open up a bit. And they start to feel, you know, it's an emotion. They feel the emotion of loss at that point where they're like, maybe I should answer this question in an effective way where we can have a constructive conversation. And that constructive conversation, the solution being, we end up with them going for our required outcome. So for like a home improvement company, like I haven't given up on my home improvement project. You know, I've, I've something I'm still interested in getting done. Let's have a conversation about what got in the way. How do we get past it? It seems like money is an issue. Yes, it is. You know, money was an issue because of there was this situation that happened. I had to get new tires for the car and now I had to do this other thing. My mom had to move in and it's just there's too many things in the way. So I like what you're talking about right now with you confirming by repeating and summarizing what I assume is part of the conversation. Like it sounds like money is an issue and then you pause, right? And so what's the best way for like a new caller or if you're training callers to kind of learn how to gather those nuggets of information and then turn it around so that way you are showing that you're listening and you're on the same page with the person you're talking to on the phone? I think the most important thing is, like you just said, listening to your counterpart. So many people are just waiting for their turn to speak. They're already thinking about what the next line is going to be. They just learned the script or they're getting to getting used to like the sales process. So they will spend time not listening to the key pieces of information that they're receiving. Instead, they're just thinking, all right, well, once he's done saying this, I'm going to say the next line on my script and I'm looking down and they say, okay, now's my turn. Okay. Uh, thank you. And, um, uh, how many windows did you want to do? And they're like, I just told you, didn't you listen to my words just now? I'm not interested anymore. You sound like an ass. Bye. They click, hang up. Or they start to feel a little uneasy. Like, oh God, this guy's like super nervous. There's so many ums and ahs. Whoa, this is not a good conversation. They're not listening. What a conversation with you about my bathroom. Why are you asking me about windows? Oh, uh, my bad. Let me just, uh, I, I meant how many bathrooms? Uh, I'm done. 
thanks. Uh, but no, thanks. I'm going to go on to the next person. That's the kind of things that I deal with. And you know, what's interesting. Like I'd say the listening tactic, it's not just something that listening, it's like, it's a tactic. Actually listening to somebody is such a, such an important um, piece to market. And that's what we really employ also with our marketing tactics as well. We really listen to and examine the data from the information we're receiving. You know, if we if we have a phrase or if we have a video that's not being as effective as we'd like it to, obviously we, we listen to the responses um, and we tweak it, we adjust it, we improve it, uh, which is why we're constantly upgrading and updating our working with um, people that are interested in channel automation as well, where they are seeing the constant upwards movement of success with our campaigns. So if we're talking about budgeting solutions, because, you know, the biggest thing when you're talking about tying down a large project, right, is a lot of people are hesitant to start because of not only the time constraint it's going to put on them and potentially taking up parts of their home that they are used to being in all the time and then it's going to be blocked off and having to have everybody available and then having to be maybe sit through a presentation it seems all like a hassle but money is also a major factor if someone just doesn't have money but they have to get something done and with you say things like you know we can help you budget we have financing options that will work with you what if like is that something that people are open and accepting to or are they thinking, okay, well, this is still going to cost me a ton of money. Like, why are you offering budgeting and financing when I just told you I really can't afford this in general? Once the questions that the customers are, potential future customers are asking are about money, this is, uh, this is a, a buying question from them. So we can say that definitively, this is somebody I want to have. Now we're talking about specifically a home improvement setting, right? We want to have our rep go out to those homes because if it's coming down to you know, I just don't think I can afford this kind of thing from the marketing standpoint and from the call center standpoint, it doesn't really affect us. We want to put a sales rep in front of that person as soon as, as soon as we can so that we can find out if that's actually the truth because we will absolutely have our sales rep go out there, provide financing options to them, depending on the project, choosing the most affordable, if it, if it does come down to that, you know, presenting the most affordable options for them, maybe it's, you know, instead of going with a special super edition of this window or this tub or this roof, we want to dumb it down to the, this is the basic one that'll get you through the next, uh, you know, the next 20 years of your home, improve the value of it. Let's go with the simpler one, uh, providing those options, that's going to be up to the rep. But from a call center standpoint, we just want to make sure that, you know, it's a product that they're, that they're needing. It's, um, and it's a, you know, it's a qualified homeowner. We got all homeowners available for that amount of time. We can take care of the, take care of the rest with the sales rep. That's all we're trying to find out. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Yeah. I, I find myself because I'm not a caller and this is why I'm asking you so many questions because I'm interested in learning how to, you know, better myself when I'm talking to people in a way that makes sense. I feel like when I am on the other end of the line, it's up to me to answer every single question that I have from the client and solve the problems before the sales rep even gets out there. And some of the questions a homeowner will ask are usually, it's just something that they, they would feel more comfortable if you if you answer it, but it's not required. The The biggest thing I'll, I'll say to like a new call center rep who's not really sure about a lot of these random questions, just um, it's it's like a deflection tactic. Uh, you know, they'll like, hey, but I want to know how much does this thing cost? I can look, look, Mrs. Homer, I can help you with that. But I have just a couple questions first I'm going to ask. Let me find out if we can even do the work first. Like, okay. And then you start asking those questions. 
they've forgotten all about the price question, maybe 50% of the time. The other times you have to address it directly. But if they've, um, once you kind of work through the qualification questions, finding out what the pain of the project is, and then presenting the option of someone coming out to the home, you can just kind of skirt by it without even worrying about the price. Another thing that's like at the end of the conversation, if you ask, well, do you have any further questions? Or if you leave like this open-ended, you're not directing them down the path to setting up the appointment. Like, do you have any maybe just random questions that just pop into your head randomly, like anything at all? Boom, you shoot yourself in the foot. You might find out, yeah, actually, what is the cost of a project? You're like, oh, snap, I shouldn't have asked that question. Now we're dealing with this whole other can of worms I don't want to deal with. So better not ask those random questions from people. We want to keep them, uh, you know, directively getting them towards the goal of setting up the appointment or whatever the end up the end point is for that particular sales funnel. Does this work for like leaving a review as well? Like you just want to like, if you're trying to get somebody to leave a review for your company, because it's like at that point, they've already purchased from you. And so that's barely, unless you're offering something, there's no reason for them to leave a review with you. Do you have to use a completely different set of tactics? Or is this also going to be something where you're like trying to work like, hey, you know, at the very least, this would help us since we did such a good job helping you. I think someone that is happy with the work will take the time to leave a review. It's definitely, it, it definitely helps to be, you know, friendly and conversational when you're talking to someone asking for something like that. But from my experience, someone that is happy with the work is usually interested in, in like kind of a back and forth of like, you know what, you guys did a great job. You went above and beyond to make sure that this was done. So yeah, I'll definitely leave a review for you. But getting to them like soon after the project is completed, when they're happy with it, like when they're in their best emotional state, once it's completed, that's the best time to get the review. I would say like waiting a few weeks, a month, something like that, that kind of feeling of like, now it's back to the normal day to day. I'm, I don't even notice this new thing I, that I have anymore. Those reviews are a little more lackluster. So getting to a quick and effective review gathering, hopefully right after the project is complete, is the most effective way from experience. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I have been in the reviews department area uh, before. So this is something I know a little bit about. Uh, I noticed that when you actually have either the installers or the people who are doing like post-project checks or somebody physically in the home saying, okay, this is the last time we're going to be in your home looking around your project unless you need us to come out and like make any kind of adjustments. While they're there, if you're having someone look you in the face and say, hey, how are you doing? And they're like, yeah, oh man, I'm so glad that this thing got fixed. I'm just so relieved that it's done. And then that's when they ask person to person, they can feel the warmth coming off of your living body. <laughs> And that's when you say, hey, we're real people. Do you mind if you leave us a review? That's when it's always the most effective. If you can actually be there in front of them asking. You know, it's interesting. Um, I, I had a I had a situation earlier this uh, month when I was working with one of our clients. And um, I talked to someone that definitely was not a buyer for us. They were uh, anyone that works in like a bathroom shower knows what I'm talking about when I say someone that wants just a shower door. Uh, typically, it's a project that's too small for us. We're not going to send out a rep to work on it. Shower doors are, you know, it's like a handyman job. There's lots of handymen out there. They can definitely help out with it. But unfortunately, it's a project too small for us. I took an extra few moments just to get them. I was like, let me find a, find a good person we can have. You could talk to. And I presented a few options to her, him or her, maybe I should say. But after this conversation where I presented the options and just had a short conversation with this person, I didn't think of it as anything of note, but this person was so grateful that I took the time, even though it wasn't going to be someone we were going to make any money off of or with to help them with their project. They're like, Hey, I know I'm not a customer and you spent the time to help me out. 
let me like is there anything i can do for you guys you guys are just so nice yeah i'm definitely going to try to recommend somebody i ended up actually getting a review from that person for our company just just from spending an extra few seconds listening to that person even though they didn't do work with us they were more than happy to write a positive review on our on our company site and i thought that was just uh one win that can come from using some of the tactics like uh, listening to them and, and hearing what their what their situation was. Now reviews are, I mean, getting a good review is 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 always a positive thing. So I think that's um, one way you can turn a potential. I mean, however much you want to spend on a lead for your area it varies, I'm sure. But one way to turn around a lead that came from those situations into something that's more positive than a well, this one's not for us. You know, they're not a good lead for us. At least now we have a positive review, so we got something out of it. That's a really fantastic story, and I'm I'm like that is probably one of the situations that people would be like that's never going to happen to me but it's true where like when you're talking to like managers or you're talking to people like higher up in the business and they say they really want everyone to go above and beyond above and beyond that sounds like it's like an impossible task when it's phrased that way but really above and beyond is just like what you were explaining where at bare minimum just be like if i can help you out i will even if you're not a buyer for us I know you're another human being and you're looking for a little bit of help, you know, and if I can give you that little bit of help in a timely manner, that's not going to screw up my other sales for the day, then I'll do it. You know, I think that's a, a great example of how you can make somebody's day and even get something out of it potentially. That's going to be helpful for the, the company. And reviews are, um, I would say, underrated, right? That's always something that you think of second to getting a sale because sales obviously fuel the business, but reviews are like so valuable if you're trying to get more sales and people let those fall by the wayside. So I'm looking at the camera right now, talking to you guys out here. If you're already channel automation customers with us and you don't have a review flow set up yet, this is, this is your call to talk to us about doing that because I think that anybody who can get more reviews, especially using tactics that make sense, videos are actually a really good way to bridge the gap if you don't have people out in your home right now and so that's something that we can accomplish for you just to show like i said another living person that you're talking to uh rather than just asking through a text or asking through an email for a review uh videos are a little bit more personal and that's my plug all right last thing that i wanted to ask is how much effort should a team dedicate to converting on low intent leads? And we touched on this a little bit in the beginning when you're talking about like lower intent leads. Um, but what what is like, what would you say the cutoff is in terms of like dedication? That's a very abstract question that I'm going to answer in maybe a semi-abstract way. <laughs> I think for any low intent leads, uh, definitely a numbers game. Just the more you can call, the better. If I have 100 low intent leads versus one referral, you know, I'll definitely set the referral for the low intent leads. I'll probably set one out of 100. How much time does 100 phone calls make to take to make? Man, it's going to take a bit of time. <laughs> I mean, if you're able to set that like one or two appointments for 100 phone calls and one of them turns into a sale, then it's worth it. Then it pays off. But most people think of low intent leads as older leads at that point. And it's almost like if you're if you're familiar with call center setting, it's almost like a punishment. If you are the guy or the gal who is set up calling these older leads going down this list because it's like, okay, we put our best callers on the newest leads because they have the highest chance of converting. And then we put our callers that aren't as good on the lower intent leads. Is it even worth paying a call center rep to do something like that? You know, it's, it's funny when you say it like that. Um... It makes me like it, it's almost counterintuitive to do so, but there's benefit to incentivizing 
call centers who have good callers like okay they, there are good callers by the metric of they can set appointments usually for new leads it's like order taking at mcdonald's you're like well what would you like to order uh i'd like to order some three windows and like okay three windows okay did you want to have uh you know siding with that and like oh no no siding please i just want the windows all right cool so let's go up to the first window let's get going it's like so easy for them at that point the new leads set themselves older leads maybe it's a good idea to incentivize older leads in some way because it's not going to be like someone pulling up to your drive through to ask for windows it's going to be you walking up to a door knocking on it and saying hey you know i saw your windows are kind of old and maybe you just want to get those updated and i'm not interested ah you know it takes it takes a seasoned rep that knows how to answer questions and get someone to find interest who usually is someone who knows what they're doing talking to the older leads setting up those appointments um and we tried a few ways on on some of our you know, some instances we were working with clients that had uh, incentives for lead reps to call older leads, set older leads, making them a little bit higher of a bounty, if you want to call it that. Once they're set, you know, uh, this is an opportunity, the way to work with data set data from, you know, last year that, especially during like slow parts of the season, maybe some people are already using this tactic, but I think it's, there's benefit in talking to older um, leads, especially that are lower intent but you just have to know how to do it. So you're saying it's a mistake then to put all of your older leads with callers that are less experienced. I think that there's an argument to be made there. I don't know if it's specifically a mistake, but you could make the argument that if you're if you're having your old your old leads called by your newer reps, yeah, they're going to make mistakes with new ones, but they're definitely going to make mistakes with old ones too. So they just got to they got to work on some fodder. And sometimes the older leads are seen as that fodder that are like all right, just have them have a conversation with somebody and we'll see what happens. Maybe, who knows? Maybe if they just fall, maybe they'll set some appointments. Um, usually that's- Maybe it's having like that person not even dedicated to one type of lead, like maybe, okay, like a first half of the day, you call all of the leads that are before, set before, uh, you know, the last three days. And then if you run out of leads on that list, then go ahead and start working on these ones. You know, you kind of give them a combination of both. I guess it depends on your intake and it depends on your setup. But, you know, that's why we're here is uh, and that's why we always do audits. Anytime we have like a new client is because we want to see like what your current setup is, what your lead intake is like, how many leads that we have that uh, or how many leads that you have rather that are considered high intent versus low intent. And then how you have your team spread out to handle those leads. If you have enough members on your team to handle those leads or if you got too many people and there's they're just not getting fed same with like your sales team right um it's it's a matter of like how many bodies do you have how effective are those bodies and what can we do to bring them up to the level because everybody's trainable and you know that's that's another part of our system we don't just give you the software and then we're done we also work on training so that way when you succeed we succeed and we want to keep everybody around as long as possible obviously any sort of closing statements want to add on to that steven um all right you're like you're like no i'm good <laughs> i'm i'm good for those podcast listeners i, sh I just shook my head no i'm good <laughs> okay well that's gonna be it for us today whether you love or hate what we had to talk about we do want to hear from you so comment or shoot us an email at hello at channelautomation.com. Also, please consider subscribing to the podcast and continue getting tips on marketing and call centers. Uh, we would love to have you on the podcast if you're somebody who is an expert in your field or even if you're somebody who just has some really strong opinions or some questions that you think that our team can assist you with, we would love to talk to you. And so as always, keep that conversion high.